chapter eleven of zadig or the book of fate by voltaire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org zadig or the book of fate chapter eleven the evening's entertainment Satak, who would never stir out without his bosom friend and whom alone as he thought all wisdom centred resolved to take him with him to balzora fair whither the richest merchants round the whole habitable globe used annually to resort zadig was delighted to see such a concourse of substantial tradesmen from all countries assembled together in one place it appeared to him as if the whole universe was but one large family and all happily met together at balzora on the second day of the fair he sat down to table with an egyptian and indian that lived on the banks of the river ganges and an inhabitant of cathay a grecian a celt and several other foreigners who by their frequent voyages towards the arabian gulf were so far conversant with the arabic language as to be able to discourse freely and be mutually understood the egyptian began to fly into a passion what a scandalous place is this balzora said he where they refuse to lend me a thousand ounces of gold upon the best security that can possibly be offered pray said Sitak, what may the commodity be that you would deposit as a pledge for the sum you mention why the corpse of my deceased aunt said he who was one of the finest women in all egypt she was my constant companion but unhappily died upon the road i have taken so much care that no mummy whatever can equal it and was i in my own country i could be furnished with what sum soever i pleased were i disposed to mortgage it tis a strange thing that nobody here will advance so small a sum upon so valuable a commodity no sooner had he expressed his resentment but he was going to cut up a fine boiled pullet in order to make a meal aunt when an indian laid hold of his hand and with deep concern cried out for god's sake what are you about why said the egyptian i design to make a wing of this fowl one part of my supper pray good sir consider what you are doing said the indian tis very possible that the soul of the deceased lady may have taken its residence in that fowl and you wouldn't surely run the risk of eating up your aunt to boil a fowl is doubtless a most shameful outrage done to nature pshaw what a pother you make about the boiling of a fowl and flying in the face of nature replied the egyptian in a pet though we egyptians pay divine adoration to the ox yet we can make a hearty meal of a piece of roast beef for all that is it possible sir that your countrymen should act so absurdly as to pay an ox the tribute of divine worship said the indian absurd as you think it said the other the ox has been the principal object of adoration all over egypt for these hundred and thirty-five thousand years and the most abandoned egyptian has never been as yet so impious as to gainsay it ay sir in hundred thirty-five thousand years say you surely you must be out a little in your calculation 
tis but about fourscore thousand years since india was first inhabited sure i am we are a more ancient people than you are and our brahma prohibited the eating of beef long before your nation ever erected an altar in honour of the ox or ever put one upon a spit what a racket you make about your brahma is he able to stand the least in competition with our apis said the egyptian let us hear pray what mighty feats have been done by your boasted brahma why replied the brahmin he first taught his votaries to write and read and tis to him alone all the world is indebted for the invention of the noble game of chess you are quite out sir in your notion said a chaldean who sat within hearing all these invaluable blessings were derived from the fish Uranus, and tis that alone to which the tribute of divine adoration is justly due all the world will tell you that twas the divine being whose tail was pure gold whose head resembled that of a man though indeed the features were much more beautiful and that he condescended to visit the earth three hours every day for the instruction of mankind he had a numerous issue as is very well known and all of them were powerful monarchs i have a picture of it at home to which as in duty i ought i say my prayers at night before i go to bed and every morning that i rise there is no harm sir as i can conceive in partaking of a piece of roast beef but doubtless is a mortal sin a crime of the blackest dye to touch a piece of fish besides you cannot justly boast of so lustrous an origin and you are both of you mere moderns in comparison to us chaldeans you egyptians lay claim to know more than one hundred and thirty five thousand years and you indians but of eighty thousand whereas we have almanacs that are dated four thousand centuries backwards take my word for it i speak nothing but truth renounce your airs and i'll make each of you a present of a fine portrait of our onanus a native of kambalu entering into the debate said i have a very great veneration not only for the egyptians chaldeans greeks and kelti but for bama apis and the onanus but in my humble opinion the li are as tis by some called the tien is an object more deserving of divine adoration than any ox or fish how much soever you may boast of their respective perfections all i shall say in regard to my native country tis of much greater extent than all egypt chaldea and the indies put together i shall lay no stress on the antiquity of my country for i imagine tis of much greater importance to be the happiest people than the most ancient under the sun however since you were talking of the almanacs i must beg the liberty to tell you that ours are looked upon to be the best all over asia and that we had several very correct ones before the art of arithmetic was ever heard of in chaldea you are all of you a parcel of illiterate ignorant bigots cried a grecian tis plain you know nothing of the chaos and that the world as it now stands as owing wholly to matter and form the greek ran on for a considerable time but was at last interrupted by a celt who having drank deep during the whole time of this debate thought himself ten times wiser than any of his antagonists and wrapping out a great oath insisted that all their gods were nothing if set in competition with the two tough or the mistletoe on the oak as for my party said he i carry some of it always in my pocket as to my ancestors they were scythians and the only men worth talking of in the whole world tis true indeed they would now and then make a meal of their countrymen but that ought not to be urged as any objection to his country and in short if any one of you or all of you shall dare to say anything disrespectful of tutoth i'll defend its cause to the last drop of my blood the quarrel grew warmer and warmer and satoth expected that the table would be overset and that bloodshed would ensue 
Sadig, who hadn't once opened his lips during the whole controversy at last rose up and addressed himself to the kilt in the first place as being the most noisy and outrageous sir said he your notions in this affair are very just good sir oblige me with a bit of your mistletoe then turning about he expatiated on the eloquence of the grecian and in a word softened in the most artful manner all the contending parties he said but little indeed to the carthayan because he was more cool and sedate than any of the others to conclude he addressed them all in general terms to this or the like effect my dear friends you have been contesting all this while about an important topic in which tis evident you are all unanimously agreed agreed quotha they all cried in an angry tone how so pray why said he to the hot testy kilt is it not true that you do not in effect adore this mistletoe but that being who created that mistletoe and the oak to which it is so closely united doubtless sir replied the kilt and you sir said he to the egyptian you revere through your venerable opus the great author of every ox's being we do so said the egyptian the mighty oannes though the sovereign of the sea continued he must give precedence to the power who made both the sea and every fish that dwells therein we allow it said the chaldean the indians adsi and the cathayan acknowledge one supreme being or first cause as well as you as to what that profound worthy gentleman the grecian has advanced is i must own a little above my weak comprehension but i am fully persuaded that he will allow there is a supreme being on whom his favourite matter and form are entirely dependent the grecian who was looked upon as a sage amongst them said with abundance of gravity that zadig had made a very just construction of his meaning now gentlemen i appeal to you all said zadig whether you are not unanimous to a man in the debate upon the carpet and whether there are any just grounds for the least divisions or animosities amongst you the whole company cool at once caressed him and satak after he had sold off all his goods and merchandise at a round price took his friend zadig home with him to the land of horeb zadig upon his first arrival was informed that a prosecution had been carried on against him during his absence and that the sentence pronounced against him was that he should be burnt alive before a slow fire End of chapter 11